everyone, Katie here. We're so excited to welcome you to this very special episode. We think that every episode is special, but we are really excited about this particular guest that we're going to be exploring. He is the keeper of the violet flame. He's an alchemist. He's a magician. While on earth, he lived in the enlightenment era and traveled all around Europe in a very mysterious kind of figure. And now he's an ascended master. So we are going to be exploring Saint Germain today. I just can't wait to hear first impressions from Andrea and Amy on what you think about this ascended being. Andrea, what's your first impression of Saint Germain? You know, before I made a conscious effort over these last few weeks to really get in touch with him, the image that has always popped in my head of Saint Germain is somebody in a cloak with a hood over, like a gray hood over his head. I can't see the face. And he's holding either a candle or some sort of lantern and walking through fog or a forest. And I've never been able to get past that image. Is it still there? No, now it's radically changed. Okay. <laughs> it's just funny. That was always the first, uh, that was my first impression. This cloaked, mystical, mysterious figure. So now we know that even Ascended Masters can have second impressions. So we'll find out more about that as we go on. Amy, what's your first impression of St. Germain? The flame within and the violet flame. So this loving, caring energy and also connected to alchemy, like the alchemy of thoughts and words and experiences, like big time, that I am presence. Well, I think my first impression, I don't even know that I had one before we started exploring the energy for this episode, but the violet flame is the thing I've always associated with St. Germain. So I've kind of pictured like a hovering head with like a big flame all around it, like bigger than life, maybe a bigger than life impression. But other than that, I had really very little to go on other than he appears as a mysterious figure in Outlander, but he's not very nice in Outlander. Wait, who is he in Outlander? The Comte de Saint-Germain. <gasps> what? Duh. Yeah. Right. He's in season two of the show, book two of the books. I'm going to have to revisit that. When you have a really mysterious figure from history, you can weave them in and out of stories as a mysterious figure in your stories. And Diana Gabaldon does that very well. Interesting. Yes. Does he have any sort of magical powers or mystical role in Outland? I can't believe I'm completely forgetting this right now. Yeah, he gets tried. Like he and one of the other characters both get tried for being users of magic. That's right. Okay. It's kind of hinted at that he might be a time traveler. Ooh. Right. Ooh. Ooh la la. <laughs> so I think my first impression of him as a hooded character, I always thought he was a very old character. And yet if he's time traveled, because he's become younger to me. Right. And that really goes into his story. So should I tell us just a little bit about his story about the human life of this person, Ascended Master that we call St. Germain? Please. All right, let's get into it. So this was fun to research. This is a little bit, you know, 17 centuries out of my usual century that I tend to work in. So it was fun to see what's what. So the Comte de Saint-Germain and Saint-Germain, I think if we're French, 
He was European born in either the late 17th or early 18th centuries. This guy is completely shrouded in mystery. He had at least seven different names that he went by and he refused to answer questions about where he was from when people asked him. And he made sort of outrageous claims about his age. Like he would tell people that he was several hundred years old. He would never give a straight answer on what year he was born in. And so this, of course, lets people like Diana Gabaldon bring him into her work as a time traveler. And he's known as an alchemist. He's known as a chemist. They're kind of the same thing in this time period. Also a musician. We actually do have music that he wrote, which I find really cool as a musician. And he was very knowledgeable about history. So he kind of, it seems like this figure built his mystique. But his real name and his like place of origin are somewhat unknown. There's some guesses, but we don't have a solid. He was born in this year, in this country, in this date. But he spent a lot of time in France, which is where we first start to really get to know him. So he was in France around 1748. By 1760, he was in the Dutch Republic. He went back and forth between England and France. He actually tried to broker peace between these two countries as they were fighting. We know that he was in between the years 1762 and 1774 at minimum. He was in Berlin, Vienna, Milan, Amsterdam, Venice, plus a lot more. We do know he died in 1784 in Kassel in what's now present day Germany. So how do we know about him? We know about him because he's mentioned by other prominent people in the time period. So one of those people is Horace Walpole, the English writer. So in 1745, apparently Count German was there and he was arrested while he was in London on a charge of spying, but he got released. But this is what Walpole had to say. He sings, plays on the violin wonderfully, composes, is mad and not very sensible. He is also called an Italian, a Spaniard, a Pole, a somebody that married a great fortune in Mexico and ran away with her jewels to Constantinople, a priest, a fiddler, a vast nobleman. So I think it's safe to say we really don't know who he was, but he was extensively well-traveled and well-connected. And so because he is known as an alchemist, chemist, as someone who dabbled in magic, he's associated with what was the occult at the time, or what we now call the occult. And so he kind of gets turned into this figure that we now call Saint Germain as this ascended master, and those two energies seem to be connected. There are several books that are attributed to him from his incarnated form. The Most Holy Trino Sophia is one book, and that's one that I'm going to talk about in just a second. And he also has an untitled 18th century manuscript. So the Most Holy Trino Sophia is a manuscript in triangle form. So instead of a square or a rectangle like a book, it actually is in the shape of a triangle. I don't even know how you open this or read this, but if you Google it, you can find a lot of images and it's actually pretty kind of fun. And it describes magic rituals to gain wealth and to live a really long time. So this all goes along with the mystique of who the Comte de Germain was. So how do we get from this mysterious European traveler to the Saint Germain of the Violet Flame? In the 19th and 20th centuries, myths began to rise up about him as an alchemist who was also an immortal and also a prophet. And people began to experience him in the spirit world. So humans began to say that they had encounters with him in spiritualist circles. And this is part of the spiritualist movement that was happening in the late 19th century and the early 20th century, where it became very popular to hold seances, to contact the dead, to kind of have ascended messages coming through. Some of these people were 
um, out to make a dollar. Some people were not. So we find in this period, like in any period, some people that are honest, some people that are not. But a lot of books began to be written about him as an ascended master. And we have several books that claim to be channeled from St. Germain that are published by the St. Germain Foundation. Prominent people who've had contact with him include Madame Blavatsky, Annie Besant, and my favorite, Edgar Casey. Why is Edgar Casey my favorite? Because he was a faithful Disciples of Christ congregation member, and that's my denomination. So Edgar Casey was a Disciples that died in the 40s, I think is when he died. And so he had some contact with St. Germain. Thus ends the lesson. That's kind of how we know what we know about him, mostly from other people's writings and from later on kind of channeled messages. I have a question. This is Andrea. Do we know how he would have gotten the title count? Is that something a nobleman could have just put on himself or is count something you're born into or somebody has to count you? I don't know. (laughs) I don't know if this is an inherited title and it's got to differ country to country. Right. And so we don't actually know what country he's from. I'm thinking he probably bought that title. Sounds that's what, it, that's what it sounds like, but I don't actually know that. Sounds about right. But there does seem to be a real difference between the character that we see in the incarnated form of this wealthy traveler of Europe and the St. Germain that we've all experienced in this ascended form. Or that's my impression on doing my research. They feel mildly connected, but also very distinct. They feel very similar to me. Interesting. Yeah. And I have one more question and Amy probably does too. I had no idea St. Germain came along during the spiritualist time because that is sort of the beginning of modern mediumship that we think of today, even though by today's standards, spiritualism is not modern, um, but it is sort of the beginning of modern mediumship. Were they using, and do we even know, were they using phrases like ascended master or is that a, even a more modern phrase? Is that something you know, Katie? I don't know that. I have a feeling it's a little more modern, probably than the late 19th century or early 20th century, but I don't know for sure. Yeah. It's a good question for the future. We'll put it in the, in the Q&A hopper. When does that become a popular term? This is Amy. So I had never realized that he had multiple names that he was known by. Are you aware of what some of those may have been? I think we have some uh, good ideas. I didn't write them all down, so I don't recall. I bet Wikipedia can tell us. I can look it up. Right. (laughs) We'll make this a research project for listeners. Listeners, go find out all the different names that uh, Comte de Saint-Germain was known by. But yeah, he seemed to change his identity a lot as he moved around and kind of kept this mysterious air about him. Very interesting. I'm curious, Katie, would you like to share your, your story, your experience with working with him, with him being present the last couple weeks? Yeah, let's do that. So very new to me. All I really knew was violet flame. Like I said, big head, violet flame. And I've been trying to be conscientious about St. Germain for about two weeks. I think the most notable story or feeling or something that's happened was yesterday at the time when we're recording this, I had had a terrible night's sleep. It was one of those nights I had woken up at 345 and stayed wide awake till 545 and then was starting to feel sleepy, but I knew my alarm was going off at 630 and that makes it really hard to actually fall asleep. So I was kind of dozing half asleep, half not, and trying to let my dog out, all that kind of stuff. But I, I just thought, let me, this is a great time when my defenses are really down. So I did a little meditation on St. Germain and 
was, I, I think probably slipping back towards sleep, but I sleepily opened my eyes and on my left arm, like near the crease of my elbow, I saw hearts. And I very rarely see anything. And so I thought, oh my gosh, St. Germain must be connected to like my clairvoyance, or my vision, something like that. And that was about it. So I just let it be what it is. And uh, when, I, when I told my spouse about it, he was like, like you're wearing your heart on your sleeve. <laughs> I was like, well, that does make sense. So there might be some of that might be kind of helping me with vulnerability as well. But also, you know, our left arms are connected to our hearts as well. And so I have it fully um, interpreted or deciphered meaning from it, but I'm not too worried about that. It was just a cool experience to have as I just asked for St. Germain to be made known. You know, that's kind of one of my personal stories, and I'm sure there's more to come, but what are your experiences with St. Germain? Or questions for me, too. I did have a question, actually, and the connection to music, Katie, and you had mentioned before that we actually have music that he wrote. Do you know what instrument it would have been for, or have you heard it, that music? I haven't heard it. I haven't looked it up or tried to play it, but I think he wrote for violin, and I, uh, violin was my first oh, instrument. Wow that I began playing from the time I was five, but I have it. My violin is very dusty now. I very rarely play it anymore, but I actually, sorry to all my violin teachers. Actually, I don't have a great relationship with it anymore. I was made to take lessons for a lot longer than I really wanted to. And I had to play for scholarships in college. And I didn't really, like, I would have preferred not to, but, you know, they gave me money to do it. So I did it. And so I would like to have a better relationship with my violin. So maybe this can help me get on that road. So it's possible. Maybe you could play his music for us someday. Oh, maybe when it's very not dusty. So we'll see. (laughs) How funny. So when I was in New Orleans, there was an aspect that came into my life of the count aspect. I was like, is this the same St. Germain? Part of me wondered if they were, but there was almost like not a certainty, not clarity. It felt like they were completely different beings. So I don't know if that's true or not, but the violin came up three times for me. So the first time was one of my very last days and I was in a garden and the caretaker of the garden started sharing with me of a vision of having like a dinner in the garden, basically kind of like a farm to table, I think is what it's called. And he shared that he saw me playing the violin. I was like, how funny. I used to play the violin when I was in middle school. And so here I am, I leave New Orleans and I'm traveling back to Kansas City and I have a layover. And During that layover, there's this lady playing the violin and oh my gosh, she was like totally into it, dancing with it. Like I had never seen anyone play the violin the way that she did. It was just really beautiful, like this hip hop fun music coming through her. And then I get on the airplane for my like final trip back And I sit down next to this guy who has a violin. And sure enough, I want to say Flamingo Kings or something like that. And they were headed to Branson. Him and his brothers were performing for an entire month, like a show. So it was like, I feel like tap dancing and violin and like all kinds of amazing stuff. So very fascinating that St. Germain is also connected to the violin. That is cool. Huh. The violin is my favorite. 
I, I love the piano, but the violin is my absolute favorite instrument. And I feel like it's the music that comes out of a violin is the music that goes right through the core of your body. You can feel it moving through your body. Mm. Andrea, you need to sit down with my harp sometime. <laughs> well, <laughs> no offense to your harp. Or <laughs> <laughs> Well, I'll experiment in the next week or so and see if anything, uh, any movement happens with uh, with my heart on my sleeve and the music connection of St. Germain. Well, Andrea, what about you? What are the stories do you have about St. Germain? When we started a couple of weeks ago with this new character, I didn't know what to expect. And I think all three of us have shared, at least offline, I'll share it again online, that we tend to have experiences in those waking hours in the morning. So maybe some of our listeners do as well, but it's in that in-between state where we're waking up, but we're not, we don't have to get out of bed yet. And that's when I have really profound mystical experiences. And I feel like my experiences with St. Germain these last two weeks have been so intensely personal that I wanted to tell you two that I didn't even want to share it to the public. I was like, I don't even want to share them. And I don't know why I felt like these were experiences I just wanted to keep to myself and hold in. Well, vulnerability overload potential. Maybe, maybe. yes. And I thought, well, maybe I don't want to speak about them. Maybe I want to write them out and I could just share it secretly or kind of just post like a PDF in our Facebook group or something. I don't know, (laughs) but just here I go uh, with St. Germain. I felt lying in bed in the morning an overwhelming physical sensation in my heart and a beautiful one. Not that I was having a heart attack or anything. It wasn't pain, but I felt my heart growing. And it was one of those things where I checked in with my body. I was like, wait, I'm awake wide awake. And I'm physically feeling this growing and growing in my heart. And I was seeing at the same time, waves of violet, waves and waves and waves and waves of violet pulsing through me. So to me, I was feeling the heart connection with St. Germain and the clairvoyance. So very similar to, I think what you two have experienced as well. Um, And then I just started getting messages, uh, throughout the day that I wrote down that I'll, I'll share in a little bit, but I think what felt so intensely personal was that I felt him as a human. So I think because my training as a psychic medium, I'm much more in touch with human qualities and human, you know, I read souls about their human lives that I see St. Germain as more of a human form. And he appeared as a very young not very young male, but not an old 200-year-old guy. But he also felt ancient, completely ancient. And I could feel him. I felt my heart as if almost there was a tube connecting my heart straight to this being. And I just needed to open and open and open my heart. That's so interesting, especially since I had the heart on my arm connection too. That there's something, well, I can tell, I'll tell you when we get to the messages part of what that is with the heart and the clairvoyance, your third eye, so to speak. Cool. I love that, that we were having these independent experiences, especially since you and I are pretty new right. to St. Germain. And you had a more profound kind of feeling than I did yes, as well. So that feeling of love and... Love, but not love like safety, 
not, you know what I mean? It's not like, oh, I'm safe. It was like, oh, crap. This is so intense. I didn't feel scared. It was just intense. And the intensity of my clairvoyance was hyper. And, you know, a lot of times when we get those feelings or those experiences, that high sensation experiences as humans, we get scared. You know, you're like, oh, wait, back it off. That's too much. It's too loud. It's too bright. It, my heart can't take all this love, you know, but it was connection love. It was that almost like, you know, when you first see somebody for the first time and you have that love at first sight feeling with another human being and you're just caught up. It was almost that, but a million, million times stronger. I have a feeling that St. Germain had to wait until he wasn't your first rodeo. <laughs> Since you are so sensitive, you had to go through Metatron and Sandalphon and all these other beings before you were ready for St. Germain. I think so. I think so, because he felt really close and intensely personal. He's very polite, ascended master, and waited, <laughs> well, waited until he, the perfect time. He, yeah, but when the time came, he, he hopped in bed with me first thing in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> And it was awesome. He wooed you with the violin. <laughs> yeah. I thought too, um, that's interesting about the triangle of his book shape, because that to me reminds me of a flame, a very oh, yeah. simple, you know, shape of a flame. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. It's been republished recently. So listeners will, will make sure we post a link to it in the show notes, but you can buy a like sort of remastered, um, edition of this book is it triangle shaped it is triangle shaped it is not cheap oh because it's a special publication i'm assuming that you have to build a special machine to make a triangle shaped book probably to print it so well so you and i are newbies Uh, amy has been working with saint germain a little bit longer so amy fill us in on all the gaps of the experiences that you've had that people might want to hear from a little more seasoned person Yeah, so it's interesting because it wasn't really St. Germain specifically when it started out. It was the violet flame energy. And what I found myself doing, so I feel like maybe some of the karmic stuff I was going through, I was kind of completing a relationship that had served me. It helped me to stand in my own power to learn to love myself again, so to speak. And so when the violet flame first showed up, It was very much this loving energy. I was going through, I'm going to say, kind of a challenging time in my life, completing a relationship that had served its purpose. It helped me to own who I am, to start loving myself again, and to show up for me. I was in a shamanic experience, And I felt like I was going to purge. Like I had to shut my eyes. And on occasion, like I'll have where my stomach just hurts really, really bad. And it doesn't make any sense. I don't know why. It's not like I ate something. Just all of a sudden, like this energetic aspect shows up. And so I shut my eyes and I'm guided to start doing the violet flame and just connect to my breath. So it's kind of like breath work, just focusing on my breath. And doing the violet flame. And after some time, I felt well enough to open my eyes. And the message within that is, so it's funny because I think, Katie, you spoke about purging earlier, is yes, purging was one way to move the energy and working with the violet flame and the breath 
was another way. So that was huge, super powerful for me. A little bit later on, I had a friend that came into my life who also channels St. Germain. I'm volunteering at his place, what's called the I Am Living Center. And the caretaker was being evicted. We went in, cleaned everything out after the eviction, saged a place, had another friend with me. We were assisting getting any entities out of the, the building itself. And I experienced, so after I had left and come home, I had so much fear present within me, almost like this entity had attached itself to me. And so connecting with St. Germain, okay, assist me, help me. What do I do about this? You know, because we're here being of service, creating a spiritual center, so to speak. And this is part of it, working with the energies that are there. I do have a belief that it all serves, it all belongs, there's a place for all of it. It's all part of the whole. So sending it love and, you know, just love, you belong. Yet there was an aspect that I did not feel good. I was seriously scared, really big time. And I was guided to do a decree. So doing the violet flame along with this decree. I am the violet fire. I am the purity God desires. So I kept on saying that over and over and over with the violet flame energy and eventually fell asleep. And after that, I had no issues, like trusting that God was with me, trusting that that purity, that light, that God light, and also trusting that whatever this being, whatever this entity needed, Return to source where you'll find all you need. And today that's been so helpful with anything that's come up for me that has created fear within me. And the most recent, so actually just this week, I'm taking a course called Spiritual Biz Coaching. I'm on my third week and she actually speaks of alchemy in this week. I was like, oh, funny, because St. Germain, I connect, you know, he's a master alchemist. And it goes into being the master of our emotions, the alchemy within our emotions. And that is something that I've been doing over the years as well is, all right, when my emotion shows up, if there's something there, I connect to it. Where is it in my body? So the somatic aspect of it receive any messages, find out what it needs from me and help to transcend or move through the energy. And so those are kind of my personal experiences with St. Germain and I feel like it will continue expanding. Amy, something, I hadn't heard that story before, something really jumps out at me. And I want to address, at least from a psychic medium perspective, that concept of, you know, when you're picking up on spiritual energy and it scares the bejesus out of you, you started that story by saying a relationship that you were moving through helped you learn how to stand on your own feet and helped you love yourself again. And I feel like sometimes we'll tap into spirit energy or we'll tap into energy of a building that it, it connects with something in us that scares the heck out of us. And it does that, I believe, because I believe in the infinite intelligence of the spirit world, just that you said that there's every, every energy belongs, it's all there for a purpose. 
And it felt to me that that energy, you felt like, oh my gosh, there's something here that doesn't belong to me, but it's scaring me. And you know what? I'm going to work through it. And you sat with it and you kept working and working through it until you stood back on your own two feet. So I just think that's a beautiful story. And I would like to tell any of our listeners that if something gets triggered in you by a building or a space or an experience, think about what's happening in you that you're needing to work through or that you might be personally afraid of. And it's an, it's an opportunity to work through your own fear. Well, and thank you, Amy, yeah, for all of that. It's really helpful. So I shared my experience yesterday morning with some kind of opening to my clairvoyance, which again, listeners, yeah. exceedingly rare, like on one hand, kind of rare, uh, like number of times that kind of thing has happened to me. But then last night I was reflecting on a really unfortunate experience I had had, and I'm sure no one can identify with this in social media where people, uh, I, I somehow misrepresented myself or people got triggered by something I wrote or posted and like, I ended up having to delete this post and, you know, just unfortunate. And um, I try not to post inflammatory things even online because I don't like to deal with this kind of thing. But I knew that I had to deal with it with the people, the people who are making comments who know me well were being ugly. And I don't like that, but I know that they got triggered by something. And so last night after, you know, 12 hours after this experience, I was sitting on the couch and I thought, oh, I know why it upset me so much. Because usually I don't, I don't enjoy that kind of thing, but it was upsetting me longer than it usually did. So I had the moment of sort of divine emotional alchemy where I figured out what was bugging me. And so I feel like that was probably directly related to my opening myself to the St. Germain energy earlier in the day. And just from interpersonal anecdotal experience, it seems like we've identified St. Germain with opening of clairvoyance, with helping transmutation of emotion or of energy or of relationships or whatever that we don't really need anymore. And also for many people, this divine love, that kind of love that's bigger than life that people experience around this entity. Does that all feel about right? Absolutely. Another thing that I like to say is transcend, because if it's all there, like Katie, out of your experience, what you had, you know, you were able to transcend the experience by receiving, oh, this is why it was here. This is, (laughs) this is the root of it. And like, it's just that awareness that really allows us to go deeper within it. Yeah, I think so. And it was, um, you know, it's not fun in the in-between time. But now I know I can call in St. Germain a little quicker, a little earlier in the process to help me figure out what is it that's bugging me. That's beautiful. Would now be an okay time for me to share the messages because all this is dovetailing right into the messages that I got from him for kind of everybody. Yes. Way okay. Let's (laughs) do it. Yeah. The message was in this, first of all, the concept of integrating the mind and the body. And that the way you integrate, which the two seemingly separate things, especially when people, when you think, oh, I'm just thinking with my head, I'm being analytical and, or feel with your heart and be like, I forgot, you know, I'm so up in my head. I don't even know what my heart wants anymore. There was this real strong message from him of taking the analytical mind and dropping into your heart and the bridge there, how you satisfy both is through your intuition. 
and through that third eye and allowing yourself to drop in from your analytical mind into your third eye, your intuition, and then into your heart. And the alchemy of taking two seemingly disconnected, completely separate substances, dissolving them and pulling them together so that the final result of this, this final product is greater than the original two substances. And he said to me, by substances, those could be beliefs, two seemingly separate beliefs that you can't reconcile within yourself or pieces of yourself or roles that you play. If you're playing multiple roles to different people, how do you dissolve those aspects and pull the integrate integrate everything in to one. And he said, it's through your intuition and your heart, pulling it all together into that space. And you become more of you by dissolving all these separate parts of you into an integrated whole. Mm, I love that. That's so absolutely cool with the alchemy. And he kept saying, it's combining the seen versus the unseen, the mystical into the practical combining this and that. And the final thing I got from him, and this was interesting that we, we chose St. Bridget, Mama Brigitte, and then St. Germain, because he said we work together sometimes simultaneously, sometimes back to back one, get out of your own way and healing. And two, St. Germain's going to carry you forward into a new integrated whole. Ooh. Yeah. Yes. Super powerful stuff. Yeah, for sure. I actually have one more message that I'd like to add to that. And that came through my friend. We must always remember that we have a choice regardless of what happens around us. We must always remember that we have a choice. We are sovereign beings. By entering our heart space, we can fill our sovereignty as well as our interconnectedness to all life. I love that. And this to me ties back into what we know of him historically, someone who could play many roles and pull them all together into one being who becomes an ascended master. Mm. Yeah. As I'm reflecting on kind of the historical life, there feels like there's a lot of trickery there, but I'm wondering if it's not so much trickery as fluidity. I see fluidity. I don't feel trickery. Although Mm -hmm. if you're in a society that is not going to understand your wisdom, not going to understand magic, although he was in the enlightened era, I guess, but maybe there is not trickery in a bad sense. It's more of a survival. And it's, it is that fluidity of him like experiencing a lot of different forms of life being fluid, but being ultimately true to his own heart and his own needs. Right. We see throughout history, too, people who don't have access to whatever the form of uh, social political power is within their own culture have to operate in a different way in order to survive, in order to be heard. So I'm wondering if Comte de Saint-Germain was one of those people. So I feel like just that conversation helps me feel a little more connected between the historical figure 
I guess the, the risk, right, the risk that one runs when they're giving out different names and different years and saying that they're going to live forever, like all that kind of stuff, you run the risk of being called a charlatan. Sure. Just right. like you do when you're a psychic medium. Right. Yeah. Or Christian <laughs> minister, right? Like I'm not Joel Osteen. Right. Right. So, or, or Jim Baker or someone like that. So, um, but God loves them too. But, you know, uh, all of that kind of thing. Right. So, but maybe the charlatan is also the flip side of trickster. Like a trickster isn't a negative character in and of themselves, right? They're a necessary character, but it's not like the, the shadow side of trickster might be charlatan. Mm. Well, one thing that we want to share as we're moving through the season is how these individual beings that we're working with kind of fit in with each of our respective professions, our respective vocations. And one thing we've talked about a lot, but I don't know that we've defined it, is like the violet flame with St. Germain. And um, I don't know, maybe we don't have to define it because it might be undefinable. But Amy, maybe you can talk to us a little bit about as a shamanic practitioner and how that fits in with St. Germain and the violet flame. And I'm saying violet, everyone. I realize that could sound like violent, but violet, like purple. Sounds like violin, too. Like purple flame. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> like violin. Yes, it does. Yeah. So as a shamanic practitioner, the elements are very present in my life. So the earth, the water, the air, the fire, and the center, the rainbow of life. And so obviously, violet flame, very much a connection to to fire. And in the tradition that I work with, uh, it's connected with the clarity of the mind. And as well as I work with breath to create an environment. So for me, working with the violet flame and the breath work is very much how I guess it can be related to the shamanic path. So I'm thinking of breath to like you know, I, I like I would, I might use my breath to blow out a candle. Yeah. Or like wind and flame. Is that the, yes. is that the connection? So there's different types of breath work out there and it can be as simple as just focusing your attention on your breath. It can be as simple as taking a deep breath in. So let's just do a little quick exercise right now. So take it, yeah. take a, just a full deep breath in and pause at the top of that breath and hold it for a moment. And then release. And as you release, let all that stagnant air, anything that's left in your body, just move that out. Let's start fresh and pause at the bottom of that breath and hold it. And when you breathe in, breathe in new life-serving energy. And then just relax. That is a simple, great way to just reset the body. Reset the mind. Reset the spirit course there's like fire breath out there too there's different different aspects so that's that's a whole nother workshop there so but you would you would bring in the violet flame as you're doing the breath work yeah so just imagine the violet flame so I like to when I work with the violet flame imagining a violet flame starting within your heart connecting to your heart expanding that to where that violet flame is surrounding you a violet flame in each corner of the room that you're in, if you are in a room. Allowing that to raise to the ceiling. And this violet flame isn't hot. It's not cold. It might be. Just notice what it is, but it just is. 
It's more of like a loving energy. Just that just right, that feeling of just right. And so violet flames just dropping from the ceiling all around you, just full of love and connecting to the breath. Awesome. That is super helpful. That helps ground, I think, for me and hopefully for listeners too, you know, how this being connects to your particular work that you do and that you share with the world. That's amazing. Thank you. (laughs) Andrea, how would St. Germain fit into the work that you do as a psychic medium? Well, first of all, it's funny. I was getting ready to ask Amy, is the flame hot? You know, I don't know if I want to be engulfed in flames. And then right then she said, oh, it's not hot. (laughs) Like, oh, it's cool. Uh, It's cool. Literally. For me, of course, I see him as being very human, but I think over and over and over again, what I'm feeling is there's three things. He's very clairvoyant, which means that's your sight. So you might see colors, you might close your eyes and actually you might visualize the flame or you might just see the color and you could even see, you know, behind your eyelids, like a movie playing out, whatever that. So I think he's there with your clairvoyance. I think he's clearly there with clairsentience, which is feeling in your body, but clairsentience tends to have to do a little bit more with emotion. Like you might just feel your heart getting warm and your heart getting coming open. He also told me that his most profound messages come through quiet claircognizance. And that is in those moments of quiet, having that thought drop right in your head where you have a complete sentence or a phrase or just that knowledge. But I think most people are first of all going to experience him through the uh, third eye or through feeling in your body around your heart. And so you haven't uh, to this point brought in this being in your work with individuals or with groups correct? or or not maybe consciously, not consciously. I'm excited about my next group. See if he pops in, might make it. I don't, I think I'm actually going to make a conscious intention to invite him in and see if he's got a message for anybody. Nice. So that's a possibility that you can ask for particular beings to come and be present or recognize them when they show up. Absolutely. Cool. And the work that you do. So psychic mediumship is not only about dead souls, but also bringing in other beings like we've been talking about. Right. And usually once, you know, what we're doing through this podcast, I'm building my frame of reference along with our listeners. So, you know, I think we've shared before mother Mary, when I feel that energy, now I know that I'm dealing, I need to give a message of healing to somebody. Somebody's going through something medical or their caretaker for somebody going through something medical. Michael has a specific meaning to me. So if I feel the St. Germain come in this energy, that'll now have a very specific uh, evidence-based meaning for the client. Awesome. Cool. Well, I've been reflecting on how St. Germain fits in with, with my work. So as a metaphysical intuitive, I think that part's fairly clear, even though this is a very new being for me, but I kind of have like Andrea, some new clues on how to tune in to when St. Germain is nearby or asking St. Germain to show up with my own personal experiences. So I feel like I'll be able to extend that out to different groups that I work with, to different individuals that I work with. You know, as far as kind of Christian minister, the saint part, I'm curious how he got the title of saint. He went from count uh, in earthly form to saint in ascended master form. I just want to clear up, this is not a saint within any kind of Christian canon or tradition for those traditions that have saints. And so he's not canonized, you know, by like by the Catholic church or the Orthodox church or Episcopal church. And then 
my tradition doesn't even really have saints. And so this title of saint, I think, is a larger, not a parochial title that he's been given or that he's shared with people. You know, so really, St. Germain, he's not directly part of the Christian tradition. Like, that's fine. That doesn't mean that Christians can't work with St. Germain. He, just, he doesn't quite fit in as neatly as someone like Metatron or Sandalphon or Mother Mary or Mary Magdalene, where those are a little more obvious. So I feel like he's kind of a friend we can bring in when needed and then let go. But like, there's no stories about him with churches or with Jesus or, you know, anything particular like that. So I'll be kind of just curious to see where else he might show up. I can't ever imagine like preaching on St. Germain or anything like that, because it's just slightly outside of the tradition. And that's okay. So different sacred containers for different parts of our lives. Absolutely. 100%. Listeners, you got this um, delightful, beautiful, wonderful mini meditation with Amy's breathwork and the violet flame. So we're going to let that be our meditation for the day. But you can also tune in to the next episode where we're going, where we're going to revisit St. Germain. And we have a special guest who works directly with St. Germain in her work. And so you can tune in for that in our next episode and hear even more about St. Germain um, with additional meditations. So any final thoughts as we're wrapping up? We need to tell people how to be in touch with us. So let's do that. We have an email, magicalmysticaljourneys at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you when you have experiences, questions, just email us there. And we love to hear from our listeners. Um, how else can listeners connect? Follow us on Facebook. <laughs> yeah, follow our Facebook page, Mag- Magical Mystical Journeys Podcast. And Andrea, tell, encourage people to rate us. <laughs> Yes, please rate us. That's how we keep getting the word out and how people find us. So wherever you're listening to podcasts, if you could just take a few seconds and hit the review or hit five stars or however you need to do it on each individual outlet would be awesome. You can also message us through Facebook or email. And I would say to tell people if they're really wanting to connect with St. Germain right away, to go play some violin music. Ooh, nice. Like actually play, like listen to some, you don't have to play a violin. I can't play a violin, but go listen to violin music. And I think you might feel the spirit move through you. Yeah, that's a great idea. I love that. So maybe I'll revisit mine today too. So mm-hmm. <laughs> awesome. Well, I love this journey through St. Germain. Any final parting words that um, haven't been shared? So much gratitude. Thank you, St. Germain, for showing up and being part of our journey. Thank you. Thank you, Andrea and Katie and myself. (laughs) Awesome. Thank you. And I would just say one last thought. Have our listeners that have been listening for a while, in case you haven't noticed something obvious, that when you call on a being, the being tends to show up. If you set your intention and give it some time, give yourself a week, you will connect with that being. So go for it. Yeah, absolutely. And we would love to hear about it too when you when that happens. So let us know. Awesome. Well, this has been fun. So um, thank you everyone and listeners. We'll catch you in the next episode. Bye. Thanks for tuning in. Bye. Mm-hmm.